The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. In the news uh, lately, um, inclusion rooms, they are controversial and they have been in the news for quite a while now. Uh, Seclusion rooms, and they will continue to be used in Alberta schools this year after the UCP government repealed a ban put in place by the previous NDP government. Now, new standards for the rooms are being developed and are expected to be in place by the end of October with more uh, this afternoon. And to start off the show, we're joined by Jonathan Techmeyer, who is the communications director with uh, the Alberta Teachers Association. Jonathan, thanks for taking the time this afternoon. Well, good afternoon, Jalen. Thank you very much for having me. Now, first off, uh, the ATA's um, thoughts, uh, reaction to uh, to this news. Uh, what is it? Well, first off, I want to point out that our main concern is the safety and security of students and staff. Uh, Ultimately, the association is strongly supportive of an inclusive education system, stressing the importance of having in place the necessary resources and supports for inclusion to work well for all students Mm -hmm. and staff. Um, With that in mind, we are favorable to the end of this ban on seclusion rooms, we felt that the ban was a little bit too simplistic and did not appreciate uh, the wide variety of strategies that that might be in place across schools. Um, In fact, I don't think there's a lot of teachers that would use the word seclusion rooms. Um, There are a lot of different types of rooms that might be used, uh, sensory rooms or calming rooms. Um, a wide variety of strategies that may have been caught up in the ban because it was just a little bit too simplistic. Uh, Jonathan, maybe you can explain uh, how in the past that um, these rooms have been used and, and what some of the um, some of the rules uh, were about around them. Right, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, so I, I think it's important to note that today's classroom is really quite different from the classroom that many of the listeners might be used to, different from classrooms of even 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, students who have learning disabilities, students who require additional learning supports, and students who have complex health, emotional, or behavioral needs, they used to be pulled out and put into their own special classrooms. And now they're included in virtually all classrooms, and, and teachers try to individualize learning as much as possible and, and try and meet the learning needs as, as well as they can. Um, and so, unfortunately, there are uh, circumstances and, and instances where uh, inappropriate behavior comes out. And so teachers work with parents to develop positive behavior supports plans in order to um, address these behaviors and to meet the learning needs of students. And in some cases, parents and teachers have come to agreement that a successful strategy may be where students self-select uh, or are directed to work in a quiet space by themselves. And, and that can be used as an effective path to develop uh, what we would call self-regulation. And and unfortunately, sometimes there are uh, situations where these lower-level interventions may not be successful. Uh, Students start to present a danger to themselves or others, and then so we need some some further steps in order to make sure that that all students are safe in the classroom. Have they been misused in the past, Jonathan? You know, I I can't comment on that. Um, 
uh, I know that there's obviously been some stories out there of mm-hmm. uh, situations where it, uh, um, you know, it doesn't sound like it was appropriate. But I'm not familiar with those, okay. uh, with the details of those circumstances, so I'm reluctant to comment on them. So the new standards for the use of seclusion rooms um, are expected to be in place by the end of October. Those those standards are going to be finalized with input from uh, from school boards, from the ATA, from advocacy groups. Um, like Inclusion Alberta, that sort of stuff. How is the ATA going to approach um, those discussions? Well, again, the biggest priority is going to be the safety of uh, students and staff. uh, And and we're talking about the safety of uh, the students with special needs. And we're talking about the safety of the rest of the students Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Unfortunately, you know, we did a survey uh, of our members last year and over half of K-6 teachers report having witnessed an act of physical aggression Mm. by a student against a staff member in the school year. And so these are unfortunately becoming increasingly common and so we need to make sure that teachers have the tools in place. Uh, At the same time, we recognize that they need to be part of a comprehensive positive, uh, constructive behavior supports plan, and those plans need to be developed in collaboration with, with parents. And so in some cases, parents have supported um, the use of these rooms, mm-hmm. and, and that's why we didn't like the ban, because uh, if there was a plan in place, um, we felt that it was appropriate for teachers to be able to use that plan. It's a, it's a, real, um, it's a real tricky subject, isn't it, Jonathan? It's, um, you know, on, on both sides of it, it's, it's uh, you know, some would say Absolutely. maybe controversial, maybe very sensitive. So it's um, all the way around, it's um, th- the way that this has been handled moving forward, how it's going to be handled. Um, it's it's delicate. Yeah, and, and it's polarizing. So yeah. it's very easy to see this situation um, as, as on the extremes. Um, either you're, you're strongly for or you're strongly against. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the reality is much more complex and much more nuanced, and, and we need situations that respond to that. Mm. You know, ultimately, Jalen, seclusion rooms are not a solution to a problem that exists. They are a symptom of how bad the problem has become. We have students with complex needs that are included in classrooms that are too crowded and the supports aren't in place for those students to have success. And so when you have students with complex needs that aren't finding success, that are getting frustrated, um, they, you know, there's, it's common to have uh, bad behaviors come out as a result of that. And so what we really need to do is get at the root cause here and make sure that our students have the supports in place that they require to be successful in schools. And then that's and, going and to right require now, more funding. It, was that you know, more funding? Calling on the, on the government for more funding okay. for EAs, whatever, you know, that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any way around it. Um, right now, there are 50 school boards across the province that are incurring costs related to supporting special needs that exceed the amount of funding that they're provided. Across the province, this shortfall of funding amounts to about $120 million. So school boards are finding this money to, to cover these costs, even though the government isn't providing it. And so that money is, is coming out of uh, other areas of the system, and, and ultimately it's coming at a... Um, the result of this is that we end up having class sizes that are too big. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Techmeyer joining me this afternoon, of course, the, the communications director for the Alberta Teachers Association. I appreciate you taking the time on a, on this uh, Friday afternoon of the long weekend to join me to talk about this. Really appreciate it, Jonathan. Have a good long weekend.
Thank you very much for the call, Dylan. All take right, care. take care now. So again, you know, it is uh, it is a uh, a sensitive uh, conversation. It is uh, um, a sometimes difficult conversation when we talk about seclusion rooms. Um, you heard Jonathan talk about one of the things that is needed is is to have uh, more money to make sure that those supports are there for those kids who need it. Um, education critic uh, Sarah Hoffman uh, disappointed that the ban uh, has been repealed it should be the norm to isolate kids we think the norm should be proper funding the norm should be uh, right supports in classrooms so students can learn and we know that there may need to be exceptions and that's why we made that room for an exemption but I'm disappointed that the minister is reversing this uh, the minister is reversing this, and again, some new standards going to be put in place. And again, the new interim standards say uh, school employees uh, should only use seclusion and restraint if their attempts to reinforce positive behavior are ineffective and there is immediate danger to the students or others. These are the interim standards. New ones, again, as I mentioned, will be brought in, uh, I think it's by November, uh, by the end of October, yeah, November 1st. Um, seclusion must stop as soon as the student no longer poses a risk. Only trained employees should attempt seclusion or restraint, and the incident should be considered an emergency that is documented and reported to parents or guardians immediately. Again, those are the interim standards, the new interim standards that have been put in place. So the chair of the Edmonton Public School Board, Tricia uh, Estabrook, says they're going to keep a, a close eye on how these rooms are used. Strict oversight and how these rooms are used and how they're used appropriately is really important to both the trustees and administration at Edmonton Public. Uh, Sebastian just texted in and said, Jay, the only way seclusion rooms should be allowed um, to be used is if there is extensive training on those in charge. At this point, it seems to be more of a convenience to get them out of their hair rather than an actual uh, treatment. That is Sebastian. And this text says, you know, my question is, why are we seeing higher numbers of students with special needs or serious behavioral problems? It's a pretty good indication that there's something going on with society that needs to be looked at and dealt with. Well, uh, of of course, uh, there is uh, there are, there are groups that are, are not happy about this move, and and one of them is um, Autism Services of Ed, of Edmonton. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk with the executive director Terry Duncan. So we're talking about seclusion rooms. And the fact that they will continue to be used in Alberta schools uh, this year after the UCB government repealed a ban put in place by the previous NDP government. Again, new standards for the rooms are being developed and expected to be in place by the end of October. There are interim standards uh, that have been in place, uh, put in place right now. So officials at uh, Children's Autism Services of Edmonton disappointed with uh, this news. Terry Duncan is the executive director. Hi, Terry. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Um, so I'm guessing that uh, that you, your 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 clients, families, um, feeling somewhat anxious about this news. Concerned, I think. Yeah, um, just concerned about the misuse. Concerned about some of the things that have happened in the past, um, and concerned that uh, that some of those things are going to happen this school year. I uh, I asked uh, the ATA um, a spokesperson when I was talking to him just before you whether or not um, these rooms have been misused in the past, and um, he didn't want to comment on that. He's not the right person. He's a communications director. We do know of some cases uh, in the past. You know, in 2017, the Sherwood Park family that uh, had filed that that lawsuit. What do you hear um, in your position about how these rooms are being used? 
We hear a lot about how these uh, these rooms are being used um, that is not the way they should be used. Um, and, and just to be very, very clear, um, Jillian, the, the, the teachers are dealing with very complex, yeah. significantly high needs um, kids in their classroom, and they're not well-resourced, and they don't have access to the supports that they need. So they're dealing with a really significant challenge, and, you know, just to acknowledge that right off the bat. Are seclusion rooms the right answer? No. But we have to pay attention to the fact that they are dealing with very, very complex classrooms. And they need tools, and they need resources, and they need ways that they can address challenging behaviors and what we call dysregulation in much more proactive ways and much better ways. So, Terry, what are those resources? What are those tools? What can, what can change? What needs to change? Well, they need to have the school-based training. So they need to identify um, those challenging behaviors and the students that have those challenging um, moments of dysregulation and severe dysregulation, and they need a plan put in place. And so they need to be able to access professionals to work together and put together individualized plans for those students. But they also need to reframe the way that we're looking at behavior in general. And every year at our conference, this last year at our conference, we did a session uh, we do a conference in January, and we did a session on um, what to do instead of seclusion rooms, mm-hmm. and we'll be doing that again this year in January. Uh, what are the options instead of seclusion rooms, and what are all of the different strategies that you can try instead of those seclusion rooms? And they're different for every child, of course. What are um, some and, of them? And, well, it, the, the proactive strategies include things like looking at uh, o- offering children breaks, so mm-hmm. giving them the opportunity to have a break on their own when they need it so that they don't then become more and more dysregulated. Other proactive strategies include things like using visual strategies to help them understand what's coming first, next, last, after that. Um, So using visual supports and visual schedules, that can sometimes help some kids. Um, Using, I mean, there's all kinds of of sensory tools that you can use in your classroom, like squeeze balls and and alternative seating and all kinds of things like that that can help with overall regulation. But those are all prevention strategies. Once you get to the point of being in that moment, of dysregulation, we have to remember that our kids with autism don't automatically know how to calm down. Mm. So we have to teach them that. Putting a kid in a seclusion room that doesn't know how to self-regulate or calm down on his own is not going to help him or her. <laughs> we need to teach these kids how to calm down. So, you know, it's there's there's a lot of layers to this, isn't there, isn't there Terry? There's, um, you know, as, yeah. we, as we push to have more inclusive classrooms, um, we need to make sure that um, that the teachers who are at the at the head of those classrooms know what to do. Um, we need to make sure that the leaders in the school know what to do. We need to make sure that there's there's as you said the resources, the support, and you know you start to question, um, you know whether uh, the funding is there for things like more EAs, that sort of thing. Um, where do you start? I mean, we've kind of touched on a little bit, but there's a long way to go. What would you say is the number one thing right right now moving forward that needs to be looked at. 
I would say training and training and support for EAs is, is incredibly important and for teachers and to make sure that uh, we are uh, offering or, or providing um, enough EA educational assistance supports for those complex kids um, and that we're not looking at cutting uh, educational assistance in the classroom and they're not, we're not looking at cutting training and professional development for those teachers and educators. Terry, just I had this text come in. I just I want to read um, uh, the better part of it uh, for you because it's, it's a little, little lengthy and I just want your reaction to it. And it says, my wife is an EA and has been for several years. She comes home with horror stories of some of the children that unfortunately um, just cannot be in a classroom but are forced to be there. And then it goes on to mention the case that we talked about that happened in Sherwood Park. This text goes on to say, the hard truth um, is, is some parents of very difficult children see this as a respite and I don't fault them. Meanwhile, the majority of children in the same classrooms are losing learning time because of these outbursts. I don't have the answers, but like every parent, I have concerns. What do you say to, to, um, to, uh, to a text like that, to, to thoughts like that, to, um, you know, the feeling that some, some parents have? Yeah, and I get those feelings, and and believe me, I understand how difficult it is for educational assistants, mm-hmm. and they do. There are horror stories, and there are hard, hard days, and that is a is a job that needs respect and <laughs> admiration because it's tough to do. Um, but we also have to remember, on the flip side of that coin, that all children have a right to an education. Um, no matter how impacted they are by their disability, they all have a right to an education. And it's not about respite for these kids. It's about them having the right to an education. Now, is that placement necessarily right for that child? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's a placement issue. Maybe that child's not in the right classroom, not in the right placement. There are different options. And maybe that plan for that child's not right. And what we need to make sure is that the administration and the, um, the, the education community is looking at these children individually to find the right fit. Because believe me, that child themselves, they don't want to be in a setting where they're constantly dysregulated. Mm. And neither does anybody else want them to be in a setting where they're constantly dysregulated. But they have a right to an education. We just have to find the right placement for them. Uh, Terry, these new standards, there's some interim standards, as I mentioned earlier in place right now, some new standard, standards going to be finalized, they say, with imp- uh, input from uh, school boards, the ATA, and of course, advocacy groups um i'm expecting groups just like you hope to be at that table mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah definitely the more people we're bringing together and the more people the more voices that we have uh talking about these standards and and how we're going to implement this in the best interest of all children is is important all right i want to thank you for joining me this afternoon as uh, as i mentioned to uh the ata spokesperson it is a it's a sensitive subject and um it's um it's sensitive delicate and there's a lot of layers to this and i think um it's it's very complicated and there's still a lot of work ahead isn't there Absolutely. absolutely there's been a lot of work done but there's still a lot of work to do terry thank you so much for joining me have a good long weekend Thanks so much. You too. Okay, take care. Terry Duncan, who is the Executive Director with Children's Autism Services of Edmonton. MC the OG says money, 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 always more money. What has school? What have school boards done to reduce spending? Regardless of political stripe, I always find these boards want more money and then they create more management, more red tape, more BS, leaving frontline teachers helpless to help the kids. If it was truly about the kids, upper management would find a way to reduce costs so they can help the kids and teachers. Let me know what you think.